Anytime you stand for the Lord, there's going to be a fiery moment. But if you stay true, promotion will follow. When you take a stand for Christ, things may get very hot. He may not deliver you from the trial, but He will deliver you in the trial. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Taking a no-compromise stand for God may get you into some fiery situations, but God will deliver you in the end. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us this time. Today, we're continuing our series through the book of Daniel that I've called Courageous Living. You know, God never said that taking a stand for Him would be easy. As we're about to see in today's message, Daniel's three young friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, have refused to bow to an idolatrous image of King Nebuchadnezzar and are thrown into a burning, fiery furnace for their faith. But then a miracle took place that shook the kingdom of Babylon. Well, I don't want to give any more away, so grab your Bible and follow along as I share part two of the message, Into the Oven. Why am I teaching things like Daniel? Because we've got to get the spirit of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in us. Preemptively. Amen? Preemptively. Now the real message behind all this is, in America for instance, you must bow down to the idol of sexual perversion. And you must bow down to the dictates of political correctness. Or face the consequences. Whatever the burning fiery oven is, whatever it happens to be, being fined, being jailed, being ostracized, losing your job, whatever the burning fiery oven is, it's a threat that if you stand for God, you're going to pay as a nation continually goes pagan. Because you must worship the gods they do or pay a price. And we can include in this the God of abortion, amen, the God of secularism, which refuses to acknowledge God. That's secularism. It refuses to acknowledge God. There's university campuses now that you cannot talk about Jesus. You cannot bring up your faith. If you do, you're going to be in major trouble in that university. When you're in a pagan environment and you take a stand for God, There's going to be a reaction, folks, and we should not be shocked by it. Consider it not strange. The fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partaking and sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Now, Daniel and his three friends are told in no uncertain terms that if they don't comply, they're going to meet the terrible fate of being thrown into an oven alive. And here's the second lesson we learn, is that once again, the majority is wrong. How many of you know the majority is often wrong? And it's the minority that is often right. But since we're fallen creatures, it's so easy for the majority to get something so wrong, to be totally wrong. So just because the majority are following something doesn't mean they're right. 
They may pay for it down the road. Don't follow because the majority is doing it. Follow it if it's true. Follow it if it's biblical. Follow it if it honors God. So it says, At that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, uh, in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But they were wrong. Now here again we see that the godly are in the minority, surrounded by almost universal godlessness. If you love Jesus and are walking with Him and cleave to the Bible and embrace its truth, its absolute truths, then you're in the minority in this nation right now. And that's okay because I believe with all my heart the majority is dead wrong. They've missed God and they're headed towards the cliff. They really are. Now next, the ugly specter of persecution raises its head via some snitches. Look what happens. Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everybody who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. They're reminding him of his decree. And there are certain Jews, they continue, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. You've honored these men, O king, and they're not honoring you. Shadrach, they name them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Now here's our third lesson. Remember this one. Godless people can be counted on to resent nonconformists. Sometimes it's a jealousy factor. They know deep down they're doing wrong and they can't stand the sight of somebody that hasn't sold out like they have. Other times it's just the impulse of the ungodly to hate people walking in light. Some people are going to hate you just because you're in the light. They're going to hate you. They're going to hate you because you're in the light. And you, being in the light, convict them of their sin. And they don't want to be convicted. Jesus said, here's the condemnation that light came into the world and men love darkness more than light. John 4. Now the Chaldeans that ratted them out were highly educated. They were considered wise men in Babylon and they were astrologers, not astronomers, scientists, but astrologers, worshipers of the stars, the zodiac kind of people. So these informers were the Babylonian cream of the crop. And they remind Nebuchadnezzar of his decree that all the kingdom must worship his image. And they inform him that these insolent Hebrews are not bowing down. And the king is furious. He summons them. He gives them one more chance to comply. And he just unloads on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar, it says in verse 13, in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Here's the king on his throne. And here's these three Hebrew young men standing in front of him. Now look what happened. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at the time, 
You hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made? Good. But if you don't worship, you're going to be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now, what does he say next? What does he say next? Who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Well, he's about to find out. He's about to find out. Now, remember with me that just a chapter earlier, this same King Nebuchadnezzar has declared Daniel's God to be the God of the universe after Daniel interprets his dream. This guy's got a short memory. One chapter earlier, oh, the God of Daniel is the God of all gods. I want everybody to honor Daniel and bow down and worship the God of Daniel and all this stuff. One chapter later, he's going, who is the God that can deliver you out of my hands? Okay? So he needs to be reminded again, and he's about to be. In just one short chapter, he's telling the three Hebrew teenagers, there is no God that can deliver them. And that's the message of our secular culture. There's no God that can deliver you. It's all phony baloney. It's not real. Who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And one of the things we're going to witness in the book of Daniel in the first six chapters is the slow, gradual conversion of Nebuchadnezzar from a pagan, godless king to a believer in Daniel's God. He's going to lose his mind. I'm serious. This guy who's now twice challenging their God, he's going to lose his marbles, all caps, Amen. in a way that's unbelievable. It just goes to show you when you're being persecuted, God's working on the people that are coming against you. That's right. He is. So, but here in chapter 3, he's already forgotten what he learned in chapter 2. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond to his threats by telling him they don't even need to pray about it. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. This is not anything we need to go think about. If that is the case, you're going to throw us in that oven. Our God, whom we serve, everybody say the next two words with me, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Now, so far, would you call that a major statement of faith or what? But look what they say next. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, we don't serve your gods. We don't serve secularism. We do not kowtow to abortion. We do not embrace sexual perversion. We don't serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And that's it, period. <laughs> Notice they begin by telling the king, our God's able, but then they tack onto it the words, but if not, even then, we will not comply. If he decides to not deliver us from that oven, if we go into that oven and we're incinerated, that's okay. Even then, even with that possibility, we will not serve your gods. They knew that God could, but they didn't know if he would. You ever been there? They knew he could. God can do anything. But they didn't know if he was going to. But they took their stand anyway. 
So a fourth lesson from chapter 3 is the attitude the church has got to have when faced with persecution. God is able to deliver me, but he might not. I might be martyred. Did you read about the Catholic priest who was beheaded in his church altar in the Middle East? He was beheaded in front of the people by ISIS right there in his altar. Here's my altar. If you can imagine it happening. He was beheaded. So could God have saved him from it? Yes. Did he? No. He might not, even if he doesn't. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to give in. Jesus said, don't fear him who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. Fear him who can take both body and soul and cast them into hell. Indeed, I say, fear him. You know, we love the first chapter of Hebrews 11. It talks about all the miraculous deliverances and miracles on behalf of God's saints. But we don't talk much about the second half of Hebrews, where they were persecuted, sawn in half. That's Isaiah. Tortured, mocked, imprisoned. We don't like talking about them. We like the first half of the chapter of faith. But the second half is devoted to those for whom... God did not come through and deliver them from it. And they paid a price and they were martyred. But both, and it says, all these died in faith, not having received the promises, God having prepared some better thing for us, that without us they could not be made perfect. So there was those who were delivered and those who were not, but they all died in faith. I said they all died in faith. So faith doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be taken out of the trial. You may be taken through the trial. Amen. Amen. Next, the king became enraged, ordered the oven turned up seven times hotter, had them tied up, and they were cast into the oven. Now remember, these three Hebrew teens have been the king's personal choice along with Daniel, to be his servants. They were the cream of the crop, the best of the best of the Hebrew captives, and now he's turned on them. And that brings me to another lesson. Don't be surprised if the world that seems to embrace you one day turns on you. This is exactly what they did with Jesus. The very crowd that had shouted his hosannas, many of whom he had healed and delivered and helped, shouting his hosannas on the first Palm Sunday, They were in the crowd yelling, crucify him, days later. The world's a fickle world. Don't ever lean on flesh for your strength. Lean on God. Lean on God. I say lean on God. Don't ever put all your confidence in flesh. The world is always a turncoat lover regarding the godly. Now next, you know the rest of the story. God did decide to deliver them in a stunningly miraculous way. But notice, He didn't deliver them from the oven. He delivered them in the oven. Catch that. Oh, we love it when He keeps us from it. But my experience has been, more times than not, He walks me through the valley, doesn't take me out of the valley. He walks me through the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's where I learn. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He delivered them in the oven. Look at verse 24 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He thought they were 
ashes by now. Can you imagine this old pagan king looking in there? He rose in haste and he spoke saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they all went, true, O king, true, O king. They weren't seeing yet what he did. Yeah, yeah, that's what we cast in there, king. Then he says, look, and they all began to head towards the mouth of that oven. I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth one is like the Son of God. Now, what we have here is called a Christophany. A Christophany is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament or an appearance of Jesus following His resurrection. Jesus appeared many times in the Old Testament. What did Paul say? The rock that followed them through the wilderness was Christ. When you see the angel, capital A, in the Old Testament, more times than not, it's Christ manifested before He was ever born a human being. A Christophany. And so you've got Jesus in the oven with them. He didn't keep them from it, but he delivered them in it by a manifestation of his own power and own presence in the oven. You in an oven tonight? He's there with you. I want you to say with me, if I'm in an oven, he's in there with me. And something good is happening in that oven. You know what's happening? The ropes that bound you when you went in are being burned off right now. The only thing that got touched by the fire is what bound them. Everything else, not a hair on their head was singed, but the ropes that bound them were burned off. You say, Jeff, do you really believe this? Oh, of course I believe this. God can do anything. And so in the ovens of life, He gets in there with us. And there are some things that need to be burned off. And you'll notice that when you come out on the other side of the burning, fiery oven experiences, there's some things that used to hold you that don't anymore. There's a stronger anointing. There's a stronger boldness. There's a stronger presence. There's a stronger walk. There's a stronger faith. Things that bound you are burned off. It doesn't feel good. It's not something you would pick. But you sure do like the result. He makes all things work together for the good of those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. Even a pagan king recognized that the fourth man in the fire was a supernatural being, saying he looked like literally, the Hebrew reads this, a son of the gods. What he noticed was this fourth man looked supernatural. He wasn't normal. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar goes to the mouth of the oven and calls them out. He says, come out of there. <laughs> Sorry, I threw you in. Just like, just like when the king went and told Daniel, Hey, Daniel, are you still there in the lion's den? I'm here, O king. And God sent his angels, and they shut the lion's mouths. So these three, if you can imagine, came walking out of this oven, like Lazarus came walking out of the tomb, like Daniel came out of the lion's den. The fourth man didn't come out. He had disappeared. Mission accomplished. Nebuchadnezzar and all the governors, administrators, counselors of Babylon noticed these men on whose bodies the fire, say it with me, had no power. The hair of their head was not, what did Jesus say? Not one hair of your head will perish. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire, you couldn't even tell they'd been in a fire. 
They didn't even smell like it. They weren't delivered from the trial of the oven, but they were delivered from being destroyed by the oven. I'm going to read that again because some of you need to hear it. They weren't delivered from the trial of the oven. They went through the trial. But they were delivered from being destroyed by the trial. The fire had no power over them. Their hair wasn't singed. They didn't smell like they'd been in there. Didn't Paul, through his many trials, testify the same thing? This is one of my favorite verses. Read it with me. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed by the trial. Okay? Now, in light of this miracle, Nebuchadnezzar makes an almost identical decree. He said, what was that I said in chapter 2? I'm going to say it again here in chapter 3. And look what he said. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, notice capital A, that's a Christophany, and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their what? You remember Romans 12? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holding acceptable to God. And yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own God. You know, here comes his decree again. Therefore, I make it a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be... Boy, this king had a terrible imagination, didn't he? If he's not burning you alive, he's cutting you in pieces. Shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made in ash heap. Now read the last part with me. Because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Give the Lord a hand of praise tonight, can you? Well, here comes promotion again. They went from zero to hero. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Anytime you stand for the Lord, there's going to be a fiery moment, a fiery season. But if you stay true... Promotion will follow. Here's the final lesson. When you take a stand for Christ, things may get very hot. He may not deliver you from the trial, but He will deliver you in the trial and work it out for His glory and your good. What an amazing miracle God wrought for His children in this instance. We walk away from this story with an incredible message on the influence a tiny minority of steadfast believers can have on an entire kingdom. Needless to say, when a minority of people stand up for God, they become a majority in their impact. Now don't go anywhere because we've got some exciting things to share with you, our Life Talk listeners, you're going to want to take advantage of. Until next time, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, the host of Life Talk Radio, and I've got some exciting news for you. It's been in my heart for quite some time to see our Turning Point worship team produce their own Christ-exalting music. And you know what? It's finally happened. 
TPC Worship's debut album, Mercy Triumphs, is available right now on iTunes and Amazon, or you can visit tpcfamily.org forward slash worship to get your copy today. That's tpcfamily.org forward slash worship and get your copy, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. To the Oven is the third message of Pastor Jeff's series, Courageous Living. You can own a copy of this 13 CD set for just $65 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Courageous Living, for only $65 plus shipping. By logging on to LiveTalkRadio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Music.